Bali as the plane takes off from the beach planet of Hedria that you guys have spent your past few days on, uh, a few days of respite, a few days of just nothingness. Uh, but as you guys take off to go towards Anora in the Star Academy ship, it gives all of you a little bit of time to think and a little bit of time to reflect on what was the connection, what made all six of you special. Molly, how far back do you go in your time of reflection? I think the earliest that earliest time she thinks about is um, right after the officers kind of delivered Shirley's finger to Molly. Just living alone in her cottage, trying to just um, cope with that, with being alone for the first time. Um, how 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 does it go for Molly's like first month alone in a long time? I think she laid around a lot couldn't really get sleep but didn't really know what to do with herself she hated going outside um because I, I think she came from a pretty small town and so everybody kind of knew everybody and she didn't like the way people looked at her kind of like I don't know, pity on their faces, but also not really knowing how to talk to her. Yeah. She'd pretty much just go out to the market to get food and then stay at home. Man, I'm, I'm sorry. It's sad thinking about it. It is it, like it, it's sad and it must have it must have been hard for Molly uh, after knowing Shirley for so long. I think for the first few months, as as Molly is adjusting, there is this sense of, I'm so used to not being alone that being alone, it doesn't feel real. And um, I, I think occasionally, uh, like as, as a point of grief, there are times where you, you, you would swear that you see her or that you hear her. Something like that. Is there any one of those times that kind of like stands out to you? Um, one day after he's come home with some groceries, she opens the door and just, you know, says, hey, I'm home. Kind of, I don't know, like she would do in the past. And she hears like a, the, the reply, welcome home. And she could have sworn she heard it, but then... You know, she remembered, and it's not like she could really see Shirley in the house. Did Molly ever get used to being alone? Um, I would say she adjusted in her own way. Um, probably not, like, <laughs> super healthy because she kind of withdrew from everybody, um, Shirley was the more outgoing one, and so anytime they had, like, get-togethers and parties, Shirley was the one that kind of coordinated those things and 
was the reason they pretty much had friends. So I don't think Molly really knew how to interact with people. It's not that she like didn't like people. She just never had to reach out to other people to make friendships and maintain them. When did you first see Shirley how you see her now? I think it was about like six years after. So after the first year, she stopped seeing Shirley and stopped hearing her voice completely. But one day when she when she got back home from from shopping, she saw Shirley there playing his day, sitting down at their dining table with um, some tea ready. What do you do? <laughs> Molly drops her groceries and it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I must be going crazy. I thought, I thought I was past this part. Okay. Wow, there's even tea and stuff here. Like, oh, I need help. I I think as soon as you say I need help, that's when Shirley stands up and kind of walks to you. Okay. Um, am I dreaming right now? She's pinching herself. Shirley just nods her head or shakes her head. No. How? How am I seeing you right now? What what is this? Are you able to talk? Oh, I can talk. Oh, I think when she hears her voice again, um Molly just starts weeping. And <laughs> why Shirley girly and just kind of runs runs to her and tries to hug her. I don't know if that really works. It, can I, I hug you? <laughs> I, I think you, you are able to hug Shirley. It doesn't feel the same. It has a new kind of feeling. It has a, it still has a warmth to it. Uh, however, it is a much different kind of warmth. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like a, uh, instead of a physical warmth, it is almost like an aura of warmth instead. She hugs back and, and she kind of pats your back as, as she feels you crying. I couldn't leave my Molly behind forever. How? How How are you here? I don't really know. Have you been here this whole time? No. But yes. But no. I've, I've got to sit down. <laughs> it takes months and uh, almost a whole year of research and looking into how Shirley was able to be with you again. And what it boils down to is that the, the ARAD bomb, as much as it's known for its destruction, it's also known for another thing. The able to displace and randomize atoms is not something 
that is easy to do and it's not something too easy to predict what it can do because it is in its essence random it is chaotic it is unpredictable so no one knew that on rare occasions if you are just the right length away from the bomb your essence itself would scatter because what is a soul if nothing than just an array of atoms and an array of atomic particles lining up in a certain way and as they split eventually some of it became tethered it became bound to the ring the focus that she held at night, that Shirley held at night whenever she would miss her wife, her Molly, so dearly, became the focus. And when it was sent back home, so too was Shirley. It, it took her a long time as to how to focus and become more of herself. It took her almost six years, but by the time she could do it, Shirley could do it. It was exhausting. So Shirley was not able to spend all of her time with you, Molly, but she was able to come in at times. You were able to call for her at times. All you had to do was pick up the ring and use some of your innate magic, some of that ability to bring her out. When did you decide that leaving Gnome home would be good for you. After lots of talks with Shirley. So I think Molly started realizing that she had... Start, she started to feel different. Um, she was kind of able to feel Shirley's presence. Um in a way that she couldn't in the beginning. <laughs> and whenever she called Shirley, she could kind of, I don't know, see like an aura around her. That was a little different. So um, she definitely started to really, I just, I guess, concentrate on these changes um, and these new senses she's had. I think she started talking about it with Shirley. You know, why am I able to to detect, like to feel this this presence or this this aura? I I think these these talks go on for. I mean, let's be honest, a year or two at least of how why what makes you feel this way? Why are you able to do this when others aren't? And I think it's Shirley that was the one to bring it up first that maybe the best thing is to leave. There are people out there that will have answers. I, I can imagine Molly was not thrilled at first about the idea of leaving Gnome Home, mm -hmm. but... Yeah. I mean, she had been there her whole life, and she's 393, so... I think there was like a, a, a letter that went around. This was like after you had decided it was time to leave Gnome Home, you receive a letter uh, from Star Academy offering you a position to join. 
making it seem that this was an offer that was too good to pass. You can learn how to do all these things. You can see other planets. You can go to space. It gives you an opportunity to learn why on Earth, on, why on Gnome Home, <laughs> you were able to see your dead wife. I mean, surely a school would have the answer, right? How many weeks did it take you to decide before you decided to go to Star Academy? I feel like at least a couple of months. <laughs> so oh, when, wow. when she first got the letter, she she called Shirley. Um, Shirley, girly. Hmm? Look at this. Shirley kind of doesn't take it from your hands, but starts looking over it. And then she looks at you and says, well, what about it? You, you know how we've, we've been talking about me going out there and seeing the world, learning about myself. Do you think this would be a good idea? I don't, I don't know what this Star Academy is. I, I, You've traveled a lot more than me, so I was wondering if you even knew knew about this. Well, I can't say that I've heard of it, but if a opportunity comes to leave home, and what we've been talking about is you leaving home, doesn't that seem kind of ideal? Yeah. I don't know. A bit old to be going back to school. It's Holly. been so long. Holly, you have to take a risk. Well, who's going to take care of all the plants around the house? I'm sure someone in the neighborhood would be willing to take care of the plants. <laughs> Molly just kind of goes through every excuse <laughs> that can come up. I don't even... Uh, I think Shirley handfully, handily hears the excuses and comes up with the reason why they are no excuse at all. Okay. Um, I'll think about it. I just wanted to show you and know if you even heard of this place. I don't know. Shirley gives you a big hug and says, you're going to do great. I promise. And we zoom out from that scene. And the next thing we see is Molly getting on board a small ship with a ambassador, a senator. You're not quite sure what he is at this point, but all you can tell is that he is extremely extremely anxious that makes two of us
we find Anna. Anna, where are you in the ship, first of all? I think Anna would be... Which ship are we on right now? Are we on the... Um... On the on the Star Academy. Yeah, then Anna would definitely be in the Medic Bay, just to find some time to herself. I think it's kind of a cool image to imagine. Like, Anna, Anna wanders into the Medic Bay and sees that there's three beds in the Medic Bay, and Anna just takes one mm-hmm. and just lays out i wouldn't say necessarily that she like lies down or anything but she sort of sits cross-legged because she wants to actually spend some time to think her time on the beach really gave her some time to ponder about i haven't exactly figured out what's so special about me i guess or why i'm connected to all of this when it comes down to it in Anna's moment of reflection, uh, how far back does Anna go? I think Anna's going to go back to the beginning, which is, it's not something she thinks about very often because it's a very unpleasant thing, but I think she's going to think back to the time that she spent in the Underdark whenever she was basically a toddler. As we catch our first glimpse of the Underdark, we see that it's this as the name says it's this dark place and we kind of swirl around and we see these like thatch roofs under the ground and this dimly lit lamppost high, uh, making the court square light up we see these groups of people is it is it just drow in this community are there any others oh it's all drow they would not allow any other any other person to stay there they would find other elves disgusting they uh they're choosing to keep themselves to themselves. So it is just drow in this community. As we zoom through these streets, we see these like groups of drow huddled up talking about this or that. What's the, what's the news? What's going on? When are we going back up to the surface? Is there a going back up to the surface or do we stay here? And we kind of zoom through these streets, hearing these conversations as they play out. And we eventually get to your home and your childhood home. What's going on there? So, Anna, whenever she was living in the Underdark, only lived with her parents. So just her mom and her dad are uh, the only ones who live in that house. She may have some cousins who live around the village, but like the only ones that she really lived with were her parents in uh, their small-ish shack. As we see this home start to gather, this small shack with just you and your parents, is there a specific moment that you go to? What What is the moment that you are reflecting on? She's thinking back for the time when she was fully planning in her mind on escaping, which is not something really anyone does. It's sort of frowned upon to leave the community, to um, go out, even for like, supplies and stuff it's it's sort of frowned upon they think they're we're we're fine down here we don't need anyone else's help we may have lost this war but it doesn't matter to us we will still build up our resources down here in one day one day we will conquer the surface so leaving the underdark wasn't a thing oh absolutely not not only would her parents forbid it but the community would turn on her they would do anything that they could to prevent her from leaving. And so if Anna was to do anything, I don't think she I don't think she would have told anyone necessarily. And 
I, I feel like the only, she, I don't think she's a person who would journal often, but I think what she would do is she would just fully plan it out, just try to write down all her thoughts so she didn't forget them in a journal that she probably keeps under her pillow or inside the pillowcase. So you, you have it written out. You have it all planned out, Anna. You, you've got the plan written in your journal, but what happens next? After it had been, I'd say like a week of planning, of gathering some supplies and um, deciding to leave in the middle of the night. She, well, if you can call it night down there, there's not exactly much when it comes to seasons. There's not much when it comes to sunlight or nighttime. It's just always in the state of darkness of sorts. And so whenever everyone was asleep, Anna decides to gather her things and do her best to sneak out of her house and out of the village. But she made it out of her house just fine. Like there was no problem there. Her parents had found her diary. They had noticed that their daughter was acting a little shifty, a little suspicious. And whenever she finally made it outside, they were there waiting for her. And she just stopped and stared at them. She looked at them for a little bit and then dropped her head down in shame, knowing that she had been caught angry with herself for leaving any kind of evidence behind. And she looks back up once again at their angry stares. And she takes off. She runs past them as quickly as she can towards the sort of exit which leads down a long, long corridor of tunnels and caves that eventually leads to the surface. As you sprint off, you you know that you are faster than your parents. You know that you are able to outrun and outmatch them. You have them beat. Anna, you are on your way out. Freedom is just around the corner and you are almost there. But something happens. So Anna thought she was in the clear. She was thinking, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. There's no way they can catch me now. I'm much faster than them. I'm much younger than them. I can for sure just make it out of here. Then her parents do something that she didn't think they would do. So she knew that they didn't exactly care for her all that much. She didn't exactly fit in in the Underdark in their small little village. She felt all of her life growing up that this constant hatred, this bigotry, everything that goes on down there. That's not something that she wants to be a part of. It was just something that was born into her soul. She knew that her parents had a dislike for her, but she didn't think they would do this. So another thing that she thought was odd and now thinks is revolting is the fact that her parents are necromancers. One of the biggest fighting force whenever it came to the drow, whenever they first attacked Earth before they went and hid underground, was the fact that they could raise an army of the undead, essentially. While their fighting force was already great, they could double their numbers, essentially, or raise any more 
dead when it came down to it. And so when Anna thought she was finally free from them, that's when she hears that all-too-familiar, deep, grated breathing rising from the ground beneath her. And she is attacked by four undead creatures, she would call them. Their flesh is so rotted away and their clothing is so tattered at this point, it's kind of hard to tell what they even were in the first place. But they attack her. And it's rough. It's brutal. She... She is wounded severely, but she just barely manages to escape. While the zombies are ferocious up close, they're not very fast, and she just barely manages to hobble away quickly enough that she can outrun the zombies. After what feels like an eternity, she finally sees something she's never seen in her entire life, a spark of sunlight coming from an entrance or an exit, I should say, of the cave. An entrance may be more appropriate in this case. It's a start of a new life. As you crawl your way out of the caves, you are covered in these bite marks, scratch marks, every little thing that can come from this ability of escaping the Underdark, escaping an oppressive past. I'm, I'm sure that there was anxiety, there was stress, there was... All of this negative things going on in your head. And I assume I'm right with that. Yeah. But something more important happens. You need to heal. You need that time to heal. But you don't know how to do it. So something has to inspire you. Something gets to you that makes you want to do it. I assume you spend months studying. Something has to happen. But what exactly is it? So it actually happened very shortly after she escaped the Underdark. So after she was attacked by those zombies, bite marks all over her, bleeding profusely, she stumbles upon a nearby village, the nearby village of Dresden. And she collapses in the town square. Everybody's walking past. No one wants to make any sort of eye contact with her or even look at her because they know the reputation of the drow and what they're known to do. And she lays there for a while. She can feel herself dying when a friendly-looking human couple approaches her. They look her over with a just a look of sorrow on their face and they pick her up. They each lift her. They, they hear almost an audible gasp from the whole town of everyone who's watching this occurrence. And they pick her up and they take her back. No words were exchanged. No, I need help, please help me, or anything. They just simply raised her back to health. Through the process, through the months that that took, that human family, husband and wife, slowly started to feel like maybe they could be her family. And whenever they asked her if she wanted 
to head back or if she had anywhere else to go. She simply said no. And they said, stay here a few months. Stay here as long as you need to figure things out. A few months turned into a few years. And as her time there, she learned more about the medical process. See, they were both doctors. They were the town doctors. They were the ones who everyone went to whenever things were going wrong. That's how they were able to help her out despite the state she was in. And while no formal adoption ever happened, like, I mean, there's, there's no way in any sort of agency or anything like that would ever step in to help Anna. She, to this day, still calls them her parents. And they were the ones who instilled in her this wanting to help others, wanting to heal others. She learned the process of the medicinal arts through them and um, into her more teenage years. So around the time she was 19 was when she decided that she would leave home. And uh, do a sort of studying abroad to see how much more she could learn about um, the healing process. She was craving for knowledge. She had basically read every book that the town had to offer. While they were slow to accept her at first, over the years that she spent there, they slowly started to accept her more and more. Because they could see that Anna wasn't like the other drow. She wasn't there necessarily to destroy or cl claim the land that they said was theirs by claiming it through combat. Instead, they saw her as who she was, just a little girl looking to help out. And so once she had learned all that that town had to offer, she decided that she was going to study abroad and find out more knowledge about the world, not just in medicinal, but also she was very interested in religious studies as well, because in the environment that she grew up in, it was worshiping one God, which was through her eyes and through what the people preached there, a God of hatred and wrath and disgust. And so she wanted, she wanted to learn more. So it's the day of where she's, um, looking her parents in the face, and it's um, it's been a while. 19's probably not the right way to say it. She looks 19 now, is the thing, even though Anna in her current story is 80 years of age. But she has reached the age where she would look essentially at a college age. And her parents have aged quite a bit more since then. And so she is ready to head out. She hugs them both goodbye. And then she hits the road. As you finally hit the road, it's you'd spend many months, if not years, traveling, learning about medicinal practices and religious practices from all over. Because in most cultures, religion and medicine are somehow tied together. And as, as you travel around, you learn, you go to the East and you learn about their traditions, their more homeopathic healing, their treating of everything and the gods there. You learn about all of these different things you study and you learn and you get to the point where Anna you are now a competent healer you can do so many things but the religion still 
eludes you a little bit. You you keep studying the gods and you keep learning more, but one god in particular in your studies stands out to you. And I'm guessing at this point it's been probably a couple of years where she's just gone from place to yeah, gone from place to place learning as much as she could. Whenever she discovers this god who turns out to be Anubis, she reads as much on him as she can. She originally learns it from a book on Egyptology, and she starts to study it more and more, and she goes on a trek even to where his origin of sorts, where his, I guess, first discovery first happened, where the worship of this god first originated, and she goes to that place so she can learn as much as she can, because that truly appeals to her and she wants to this to be the next part of her journey as you set out to try and find this birthplace of anubis this discovery of anubis if you will you wind up being led to the small town that for lack of better words is essentially a ghost town at this point there are a few people but not many and not many of them if you mention anubis will know who you're talking about but Eventually, you find one person, and they point you towards a temple not that far out of town. And it takes you a while, but when you arrive, you see this statue. It's dilapidated. It's broken down. It's worse for wear, but it's still him. Anna stares at the statue for a while, sort of studying it, taking the details in of this strong, tall, god-faced man. She smiles before she's about to walk away and she says you're just like me and then she leaves. As you turn to leave this temple you see a little bit ways down the road it's kind of hard to see but you see this obscured figure starting to walk towards the temple and you get the sense that maybe he's walking towards you or towards the temple at the very least, but he is walking with these slow, steady steps. And, uh, it's weird. You don't remember really seeing anyone on the way in. I mean, it's completely fine as far as you know. Anna's no stranger to strangers, so I would say she just, she pauses for a sec because I don't think she saw anyone else coming into this sort of temple. Or, like, on the way here. It's a... Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was empty. It was yeah, pretty yeah. much empty anyway. Yeah. I was about to say, like, even the town that it's in is sort of a ghost town at this point. And so she... Yeah. Is surprised at first. She startles a bit, but she just keeps walking the direction she was going. Probably assuming that the person coming this way is just heading to the temple anyways. As you guys start to get closer, uh, your paces both start to speed up as you get closer, and it gets to the point where you guys pass each other, and for a brief second, there's this weird kind of thing where, you know, two strangers passing each other, there's always going to be that. But as he gets to where he is ten feet more towards the temple than you, he pauses. I'd imagine Anna would probably create that as a time or see that as a time for pause as she goes past and she feels this person stop out of her peripheral she 
pauses for a sec and starts to turn around, wondering if it's someone potentially maybe she met along on her travels or someone from Dresden by some impossibility all the way out here. And she pauses and she turns around to look at this person. He stands there and he's silent for a good minute, staring up at the temple. You can't. He still hasn't turned around, so you can't see his face. You just see the back of his head. But he stands there and he takes a deep breath after this long silence. And then he slowly turns and you see the front of a jackal's face. As he looks at you and says, So, I'm just like you. Anna is definitely shocked by this. She's taken aback. She, uh, she almost falls over. She's so surprised. Um, she says, You're, you're, you're him? Well, yes, that is true, but that's not what I was asking. You said that I was just like you. Well, yeah. Your philosophy is similar to... My philosophy, anyways, I would say, when it comes to the dead and deceased. How so? It's, of course, not something that people necessarily accept around here. Well, on Earth, I mean, but it's a necessary process. And I guess knowing that someone like you is also there to help people whenever the next phase of life starts. Well, that's pretty special, I would say. Well, it's interesting. I haven't had visitors in quite a while. I mean, this town used to be flourishing, and now look at it. Yeah, I I can see this town's sort of falling apart. I'm, I'm sorry you've fallen on hard times. Uh, it's fine. It, it's part of the cycle of life, but I... Listen, I, I, I need help. You know, a god needs believers and belief to survive. I can do that. You can? I I literally have nothing else going on. I'm sort of a traveler of sorts. A traveler? That's, well, that's kind of perfect. Yeah. I've been on a journey for a couple years just acquiring knowledge. Uh, I'm a doctor, and I was originally out studying more on medical expertise, but I wanted to learn more on religion, on the various gods. And yours fascinated, you, yours, sorry, you, I guess I would say, you fascinated me the most. So I wanted to come out and visit. Well, if I fascinated you so much, maybe... Maybe, and he stops, and he thinks for a second, and you see a smile start to spread across his face. And then he looks at you, Anna, and says, Anna, how would you possibly like to make a deal? Okay, um, what sort of deal? I I told you earlier, a god needs believers to survive and frankly there's not many believers in me right now i mean look at the town it's 
practically dust. But if you get me more believers, if you spread my word, if you bring it out into the universe, I'll give you a little more power. I'll let you tap in to my power. Yeah, no problem. If that's all I need to do for your bidding, I'll shake your hand right now. This shaking his hand sounds great, and I'm glad to do it. And he reaches out his hand, and he shakes yours. And then he looks at you and says, But I'm wicked hungry. I haven't had an offering or anything. Yeah, I got you. Hold on. Uh, I got some snacks in here. She reaches around to her backpack and fishes out. She grabs something, and she looks at it for a second in her bag, and she's like, No way. And she looks up at him, and she says, Do you like gummies by any chance? And the scene freezes right then. We see it haze out, and we see it zoom away, and then, Anna, you find yourself in a familiar place again. You find yourself floating a little bit, and you gently go down to the ground as before you, you see Anubis. And he's smiling at you, and he looks at you and says, this is kind of an unexpected visit. Are you okay? Is there anything... Actually, Anna, if you, um... The fruit gummies that you promised me, remember you said the prayer earlier? You, If you had the fruit gummies, that would just be so dope right now. I'm just starving. Anna smiles. After she's been lost in thought for this long, it's good to see a familiar face. And she pulls out from behind her back, as if by magic, an entire box of Scooby-Doo fruit gummies. And she and she chucks it his way. A whole box? Oh, gosh. A- Anna, you didn't... Home skillet, you do not have to do that. But Either way, it's fine. I, Anna, I... I may have an idea. I know you've been... And as he's speaking, he's like tearing open the gummies and separating them and eating them bit by bit, but... I think I may have an idea to fix your problems. You got an idea? Yes. B- remember your y- your friends that you said were missing? I I I think and how you you and your friends all have something in common and that's the connection and Yeah. That's uh sort of what I was lost in thought about. The connection well oh well if if that's what if you already figured it out then No 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 no. I I I wanna know what you're what you're talking about. What do you mean, when we're all connected? Well, if you're all connected, then that has to be the secret. That has to be the key to what's going on. I mean, logically, that's the only thing that would make all of you remember the things that can't be remembered anymore, right? Yeah. So that might be a little flimsy. Yes, I, I know. It's, it's not the greatest theory, but... If the connection is death, that what else could it be? Life. Life. But that's a that's an even flimsier connection. Everyone's connected to life. If the connection was life, then everyone in the whole galaxy could remember everything. But what what is it, what else? There has to be something that all of you are missing. There's something there. I don't know what it could be, but there is something. You, Anna, you must know. Um, I really have no clue. I'm still trying to figure out what details I may have missed. I know my connection to death. There are at least three at this point. 
I mean, more than three, of course, but like three major ones that at least stick out in my mind. So I guess it's what aspect of our lives specifically connect us is the hard part. Trying to figure that out. Anubis's head kind of falls for a second. And then out of nowhere, with nothing doing it, seemingly Anubis has no connection. The Book of Life and the Book of Death appear and fall onto the ground open. And their pages start turning wildly. And Anubis is staring at the pages, uh, bewildered, confused. But the pages are turning and it seems that something is happening that has never happened before. The books are doing their own thing. Uh, Anna reacts. She stands up when she sees this happen. And she is just staring at the pages as they start to flip wildly. And she looks up at Anubis and she says, Uh, are you doing this? No, I I have no clue what's going on right now. And then the pages suddenly stop. And Anubis' hands float over the pages and he's looking and his eyes get wide. And he smiles. And he looks up at you, Anna. And he points at the pages and says, Anna. What? Something's happened with your friends. Jin, you sink into the captain's chair of the Star Academy ship. You think back on your own life and you remember vividly the day. The waters were calm and clear and you could see the fish swimming underneath. You were a kid who was happy and healthy and had fun And you were out on these crystal clear waters in a small boat that was just perfect for your family's small, small way of getting food, of fishing for what they could get. What did it look like for you when it happened? She was climbing the mast of their little boat. I mean, they had sails, even though they could run mechanically, they had sails just to conserve energy because no one there had much. And she's on the ship climbing the mast and she gets up to what she uses as the crow's nest, just standing on top of it. And she hears her mom calling to her to go to dinner. And she looks over at their small little house over at her mom in the doorway And says she'll be in in just a minute. And then in the distance behind the house, she sees something falling. And when it collides with, well, when it collides with the horizon, there's a flash of light and she's thrown backward into the water. 
and everything goes dark. It feels like no time for you, but it is hours later when you finally are able to open your eyes. And you're greeted by a very small octopus looking at you very strangely. Underneath your back, you feel wet sand and rocks, and you feel pain, but it's not insane yet. Um, at first, she clutches at her chest and at her neck, thinking she can't breathe. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's panic, and there's a good few seconds of panic before she realizes that she's been breathing the whole time. And as that realization hits, a weird, strange sense of calm washes over of like, this is impossible, but I guess it's happening. And it's, I mean, too dark to see, really, down that deep. And so she just starts swimming where she assumes is up. And as it gets lighter and lighter, as more light comes from the surface, she looks up at her hand as she paddles forward and sees that her skin is not the same color it once was. And she sees small fin-like attachments on her arms as she paddles forward. And when she hits the surface in small glimpses of reflection in the water, she sees a face that isn't her own. And there's a new kind of panic, but along with it is an instinct to survive. And so she starts swimming well, actually, no. First, she sees sees her home destroyed. And by that, there's just nothing there. There's smoke and rubble and no structure, no people, no nothing. The ships are in pieces in the water. And she grabs a piece of the wreckage and starts paddling in the direction that she remembers the nearest city to be in. We see... This scene of a panicked gin starting to swim, and you're making good time, and we see you arrive in the city. We cut to a few weeks later. Uh, by this point, your hunger has outweighed your senses. You have to eat. She finds a restaurant and goes inside, and while the owner and workers are helping other people she she grabs some fish that was laying out that someone was ordering and she runs throwing in her mouth as she does and chewing and trying to chew and swallow it as the owner is chasing after her and he he catches her and the beating is quick but decisive Right before you get to the point of just passing out from pain, you feel his body being lifted and thrown off of you, and you see a tall man stand in front of you and hold out his hand to help you up. As he lifts you up, he leans down and says, I'll cover your bill. Go. She runs into the nearest alley. You never saw that man again, and you didn't get enough of his face to recognize him, even if you did see him. But you know one thing from this. There is kindness out there. It just might be rare. 
It's several weeks after the incident at the restaurant. It's a busy day in the city. The streets are bustling. The vendors calling out, trying to sell whatever they have. The store is playing this weird music that's trying to attract customers. But for some reason, you don't understand a single second of why anyone would want to listen to that. But something does happen. Through all the noise, through all this weirdness around you, you hear one distinct noise. You hear someone losing a fight. Two blocks away from you in an alley that you cannot yet see, but you can hear a girl being beat up for no reason. Jen runs around the corner and... Finds the first attacker nearest to her and just throws a haymaker that is really bad because she's a young child uh, who's never been in a fight before. But she certainly tries. As you run in and throw this haymaker, without even thinking about it, you are greeted with three attackers. And while you're able to take down the first, the other two take you handily. The little girl is able to escape, but not without consequence. And that consequence is you being beat to the point where you felt it a few weeks ago. You feel like you are about to pass out due to the amount of pain you're in. But this time, no one's there to help you. She lays there until... She can hear the footsteps of the attackers completely receding till they're gone, and then she gets up. And the next time she hears a fight, she walks the other way. That scene hazes out. It distorts. It becomes blurry. It starts becoming to where the colors are oversaturated and we see you walking the other way and then all of a sudden Jin, you are back in your own body walking in a void where you have never been your footsteps seem to ripple and make small shapes as they start to expand out and you notice that the ripples stop five feet in front of you she walks up to the point where the ripples stop and slowly puts out a hand. You feel something stopping it, and then you hear a voice. Jin, you remember me, don't you? It can't be. It's not, but it is. Are you Steve? We can go with the entity formerly known as Steve. I do have a real name, you know. Is it not Steve? You can call me Tolthime. What's... What is going on, Tolthime? Why is all of this happening? I don't understand any of it. Who are you? Well, uh, that's an interesting question. I, um... I'm the god over continuation. The timeline moves forward and I make sure that happens. Whichever way it decides to go. But Jin, 
there's something more important going on, and you know it. Tell me. I don't know what you're talking about. I am lost in all of this. You see Tolthime smile big. And he says, You and your friends have a connection. Think through it. I guarantee that you know it. We've been trying to think through it. We've been working on it. It's not death. It's not... It doesn't seem to be the bomb. We can't figure it out. Look me in the eye. She does. His eyes twinkle a bright blue, and then he looks you dead in the eye and says yet again, You know it. Tolfheim, I don't. I don't know. I can't figure this out. Just tell me, please. Is there some rule in continuation that you can't just be straightforward? He smiles and he turns his back to you and starts to walk away into the unknown void. Then it hits her. It's been right in front of her face the whole time. Wait a minute. Tolthime. I know what it is. <laughs>